Welcome to the Rethinking Humanity podcast, where we dive deeper into what makes us human and what causes us to thrive. I'm Lacey Delane. Hi, I'm Sonia Lorea. And we are excited to be coming at you for episode 23 from Atlanta, Georgia today. It is Building a Being Mode Based Society Part 7. Let's get real, people. Is building a being mode based society really possible? That's what we're going to talk about today. Sonia, how are you, sister? I'm okay. I am counting the days I'm going to get my vaccine mid-April. So what is today? April 1. Oh, today is April Fool's April 1st. Day. April Fool's. Oh, my. Yes. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Seems like the April Fool's joke is, is in order, but I can't think of one off the top of my head right I now. I know. I know. I can't. But we'll say that uh, we're excited to be here today and talk about this uh, episode. Yeah. The Being yeah. Old Society. Yeah. Well, uh, if anyone is looking, watching the video right now of this, they're probably wondering why I'm wearing a sticky note on my hat. Um, and I'm just going to reveal what's underneath the sticky note so people can see just for a second. Oh, shoot. Now it's not. Oh, no. <laughs> You're getting it. You're getting it. You turn it there. there. Perfect. Yeah. All right. So why am I covering up the Nike? Logo, well, you might want to listen to our episode on Amelia Pang. Oh, well, with Amelia Pang and the uh, interview we did with her about her book Made in China. Nike is one of the companies that is using forced labor fashion. And I am so sad because I love Nike. I put this hat on earlier, Sonia, because I'm like, my hair's not done. We're about to record, but I'll wear my hat. It'll be fine. And then I was like, oh, shit, man. I can't wear my hat. It's a Nike hat. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, I'll just put a sticky note over it and just keep it moving. <laughs> well, good for you, Lacey, to do what you believe yeah, and put that sticky note on there. And and I want everybody to listen to the episode so they know what we're talking about. Yes, check it out. Amelia Pong's awesome. Her book was amazing. Um, there's a lot that's being talked about. Th this yeah. issue is being talked about a lot. I think we recently discussed an article in the New York Times, Sonia, similar on similar lines as this. Yeah. And there was one in The Economist um, where they are talking about how this is a big issue with like companies like H&M, all the ones that we know, they're pretty much the mainstream bigger companies use the forced labor. So check yeah. out Made in China, guys. Dude, believe me, guys, <laughs> it's not worth it. It's not worth it for these folks to go through the hell that they're going through for us to just have a tennis shoe or a hat or something cheaper. This stuff Absolutely. has got to change and it's going to change if we stand up as consumers and say, we're not doing this anymore. So if you want to learn more about that, check it out. But uh, I'm seriously sad every time I look at my shoes and I'm like, nope, not wearing my, t my Nikes <laughs> today. So Nike, get your shit together so I can wear your shit again. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you, uh, Lacey. Yeah. Um, so if you were with us over the weekend, we had Sherry Turkle with us. That was an amazing time. So thankful for that. We announced that we have some uh, new branding that we are working on. So keep your eyes open for that. And uh, Sonia, we have a date to announce with Melissa Bernstein. That's on May the 7th. Yeah, I'm excited. You're the one who introduced me to her. Mm -hmm. And you saw her on CBS Morning, right? CBS News Morning. Yes, exactly. Right. And she, her story is just phenomenal. Everybody needs to check it out. She has the um, the website, right? Is that the Lifelines? 
lifelines.com. She also mm -hmm. wrote a book, um, which is called Lifelines, uh, which I may have to get my hands on before she comes on. Uh, but yes, she's a beautiful person, man. Like just watching some of the videos to promo this online community called mm -hmm. Lifelines uh, for like mental health and self-care resource and that kind of thing. I'm just like, wow, I'm so impressed um, with her. So we're really, really excited to have her on. Uh, she and her husband, Doug, are folks who really built the best brand of toys, arguably, uh, but probably not arguably that they are the like highest, uh, what would you call it? The, the best brand of toys. Um, so that's, that's not the <laughs> highest, um, like caliber of toys. Quality. Exactly. Quality. Okay. And, yeah. uh, it's the Melissa and Doug toys. So you may be more familiar with her because of, because of the Melissa. Toys. Yeah. If you have not checked those toys out, check them out. But, uh, definitely check out this, the lifelines. We're super excited about that. Yeah. Awesome. Looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. Me too. So let's get into the content for today. I really love this, this title and this episode because it's like, all right, we've been talking about this basically for a few months. This is the seventh episode on this series. And it's like, look, folks, is this really possible? Like, like, let's get real. Can we really do this? And mm -hmm. so I, love, I love that, that that's what this episode's about. Yeah. I mean, uh, this sort of gets down to the, to the end of everything we've talked about, which I know you're going to review, Lacey, that people who are listening to this could go back and look at some of the different episodes we have where we discuss specifics that Fromm talks about to get into the being mode of society. But this chapter, in, or rather this part, because I know it's more than we're just taking a portion of the chapter, um, really ask the hard questions. Can we do this? Is yeah. it possible? Yeah. And it'll be interesting to get into. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, the whole book is why basically the be what the being mode, what the having mode is, and why, what the differences are in the two and why it's important and for us as human beings to live from a place of the being mode of existence. So now we're in a place where he's going, we need to shift to this type of society. What are the things that we need to do in order to build that society? And so that's what I'm going to review quickly. We've done episodes on, you know, all of these. So I'm going to mention the episode um, that we talk about this in, in case you want to go back and listen to some specifics on those topics. Um, and then Sonia and I will discuss briefly and then we'll talk about kind of what he says. Is there a reasonable chance? Is this mm -hmm. going to happen? Can we do it? So he says the first things that he says that we need to do in order to build that being mode based society is implement sane consumption instead of insane consumption, which again links to our uh, interview with Amelia Pang. But that's episode 14 and 15. He says we need a democracy in which all people are fully active and participating. Episode 15, we need maximum decentralization in industry and in politics. That's episode 16. We need to end bureaucracy and implement humanistic management. That's also episode 16. Uh, we need to end brainwashing methods in industrial and political advertising. That is episode 20. We also need to close the gap between the rich and poor nations. That's episode 20. 
we need to implement a universal basic income. We. <laughs> That's also episode 20. We need to liberate women from patriarchal domination. Get rid of the patriarchy. That's episode 21. Loved that one. That was a fun one. Uh, creating, we also need to create a Supreme Cultural Council, episode 22. We need to end fake news and implement a successful system of effective information dissemination. Also episode 22. We need to separate scientific research from use only for profit and military expediency. Basically, we need to humanize how we use scientific research. Also, episode 22. And we need to end nuclear weaponry. That is also episode 22. So I'm, sh I'm wondering, Sonia, your thoughts on this. Do you think, I mean, there's a lot here. There's a lot right. of that he's saying we got to do all these things um well first i'll just say what are your initial thoughts on everything in the list um no everything in the list is what we need to do the challenge is doing it so the ones that stick out to me i mean it's interesting because this was written in the 50s correct 50s, right. 70s. i can't I, I always get it confused i think sane society was 50s and this one was 70s 70s right no. Um, so the interesting part about it is these are still issues, obviously, that are carried over today that they feel so relevant, right? The fake right. news is very relevant. Um, the brainwashing relevant, the bureaucracy relevant. What I find fascinating is we are looking to me, UBI, I think is going to happen. I do believe that we're closer, closer to getting that happened, yeah. um, in our society. Um, the nuclear weaponry, I would argue is going to be challenging. I think yeah. that's going to be challenging that the countries dismantle their uh, nuclear weapons. The other one that really, of course, I love is the liberating women from patriarchal domination that mm -hmm. I think is an ongoing, you know, with the Me Too movement, um, with a lot of this evolution of women's rights. But yeah. I think that's going to be a process. We are still in that. Oh, yeah. Um, so, you know, all of these are are. Awesome. The The key is how quick we can get to that place. Right. And yeah. what has to happen, which we'll get into what from says has to happen for us, you know, to really wake up. It's a matter of life or death, which I know we're going to talk about. So. Right. Yeah. yeah I think one of the ones that I think w would be pretty challenging is a democracy in which all people are fully active and participating. Um, but I think that is really a big part of the root of seeing this take place. I wonder if you think there are any on the list that we could not do and still get there, still make it to the being mode basis. Well, um, I would say because of us, our analysis of from right now, uh, the creating a Supreme cultural council, we, I think we were trying to figure out what yeah. came out there yeah. and that might not work in today's society, but the, the ideas are good. Right. So, that one you might be able to um, not have happen. I think you need same consumption. Yeah. Um, I think the part about the scientific research, that the profit from use only for profit and military expediency, that definitely needs to happen. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I think the, well, we're right now also dealing with closing the gap between rich and poor. So I would say the majority of these have to happen. Yeah. Are, are there any that, um, the opposite of that. So any that can be overlooked 
any that absolutely cannot be over, like absolutely have to, have to, have to happen in order for us to make this shift? Um, I would start with the very first one, same consumption. If we okay. don't have same consumption, because I sort of feel that that is, it triggers everything. It's profit. It's the, the labor, you know, people being enslaved labor. It's us staying in the having mode. It's yeah. us destroying the planet. Um, let's see. It's it's increasing the gap between the rich and the poor. I mean, go on and on. I think yeah. his, the very first one, without that same consumption, we, uh, we're doomed because we have finite resources. We right. don't live in a world where this is infinite, you know, uh, air and water and all the resources that we're using, the land. Right. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I mean, the only thing I would follow, I think you're absolutely right. I think that encompasses them all. The only thing I would add would be the brainwashing stuff, which would go hand in hand with in, mm -hmm. with in consumption because part of the reason why they use the brainwashing methods is so that people will just keep consuming. So mm -hmm. we can, you know, just continue to do this crazy capitalism where we take advantage of people and we don't care, you know, about their well-being in the process. So, Correct. yeah. Okay. Well, is this possible? Do you think this is realistic? Do you think, you think we can do this, Sonia? Um, I do think we can do it. I do think, I think we're in a moment right now that we're being asked I'm just saying this metaphorically, uh, we're being asked, hey, what kind of world do we want to live in? Mm. I mean, I do think we're living in a time that things are shifting. And um, I mean, I tend to be more, I don't want to say, when I say an optimist, an optimist in the sense of that man has, we have the intelligence, we have the ability. It's now up to us. We have to make the choice mm. as individuals and as a society, which I think mm. from really gets into with, you know, why we have to make that choice, which we'll elaborate on. Right. Yeah, I, I do too. I, I think we may not hit all these points on, on his list. Um, definitely the nuclear weapons, mm -hmm. like a really big stretch. Uh, although <laughs> it would do a lot to provide some safety and security for all of us. Uh, if we could do that. But I do think that it's possible. It does seem like a stretch, but he mentioned some things that we'll, we'll talk in a, in a minute, some encouraging facts that might, that help us to see that it really could happen and it might mm -hmm. just happen. So he starts this uh, section, is there a reasonable chance by saying, considering all of the things that are motivating us, the power of corporations, the apathy and powerlessness of the large mass of the population, the inadequacy of political leaders in almost all the countries, uh, ecological dangers. Is there really a chance that this is going to happen? And he says, from the standpoint of a business deal, there's really like zero chance. If we're looking at this from a business perspective, we got a 2% chance maybe of this happening. Mm -hmm. If you're going to invest money, if you're going to bet on it, right? people are not going to do that. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, he does. He does bring that up. What What made me feel, though, that uh, we had an option to do this is that actually he does talk about economics driving, though, us towards yes. making the decision to change. So I right. found that was something positive in For all sure. this. For sure. And I mean, he says it does make sense. 
that I really love this. There is little wisdom. Um, I'm sorry. Judging present day society's chances for salvation from the standpoint of betting or business rather than from the standpoint of life is characteristic of the spirit of a business society. I mean, we're living in a business. Society. Everything we, right. we evaluate decisions, it's about money and business. So it makes sense that if we look at it and that we would look at it from that perspective, like, OK, probably there's no chance. But the reality is when it's a matter of life and death, reasonable chance must be translated into real possibility, however small it may be. He says, for example, if a sick person has even the barest chance for survival, no responsible physician will say, let's give up the effort or we'll only use palliatives. On the contrary, everything conceivable is done to save the sick, per sick person's life. Certainly a sick society cannot expect anything less. Yeah, I thought that was a really good example. I was going to bring up the point on the economics, too, that I think what you're seeing right now is that people realize that we have these, like I was saying earlier, uh, finite resources. So there is a move to look at like solar or to look at nuclear, to look at other alternatives. And right. what's going to drive the change is economics, because obviously it's business incentives to, mm -hmm. to change which will also help our environment. And I think it's interesting because that to me is what unfortunately right now is a big factor, what drives some of these changes Right, is a, a business model. Right. And that is one of the points he makes that is an encouraging fact on why this really could happen is because on purely economic grounds, yeah, people are starting to realize we need a new system. This one won't really sustain us for the long haul. And experts are starting to see this. And again, this is in the 70s. So look, it's 2021, people. Mm -hmm. um, I think if you if you listen to some of the economists and people who are studying the economy, they talk about how we need basic income, how where we're going in the future, basic income is something that will be helpful. My point is, is their their minds are opening up in new ways. Yes. That and, and it's it's being considered by the public in a new way, um, which I mean, that's huge. You know, we're starting to see that our system is not really working for us, basically. Right. The system is broken. And I think another point we can make at this time today, April 1st, 2021, what's happened in the U.S. specifically is we've uh, passed the stimulus package. Uh, with trillions of dollars, no one would have imagined that we could have achieved that. And I think there's huge public support. That tells you that the minds are changing, in, you know, across the board of all classes, knowing that we have to pump into our society um, money, specifically to individuals, which falls along UBI, yeah. also to small businesses. And we're doing things that are very different than the way we operated before. And I think that is going to lead us to another path, like what Firm's talking about. It's going to open up like what you're talking about, Lacey, people's yeah. minds to different ideas and different ways of doing things that we didn't do before. Right. Yes. And I mean, I think another, what one of the things that I, I hear you saying is that there's a growing number of people who can see that this is an issue, that things need to change in this way. There are also a growing number of people who are feeling, uh, I don't know, malaise. I don't know if that's the right way to say that word. Mm -hmm. their, their sense of depression, their sense, uh, you know, of unhappiness. He says 
they and from talks about this he says that some people are conscious of this sense of depression more people are and even in spite of all kinds to, of, of efforts to repress it they feel the unhappiness of their isolation and the emptiness of their togetherness holy mm -hmm. crap they feel their impotence the meaninglessness of their lives many feel all this very clearly and consciously others feel it less clearly but are fully aware of it when someone else puts it into words. So people are feeling uh, uh, the pain of how we're living basically more and more and more widely. Yeah. Um, we started the podcast and you mentioned, you know, how I was doing. And the reason I brought up the vaccine is because this last year we've all had to live isolated. And what from talks about is this unhappiness with isolation and I think that has become more poignant in people's lives because they've actually experienced it. Yeah. Where in previously to this year, you could numb it with doing all your activities and being busy and working and you know shopping and whatever. And so now yeah. our whole world is sort of shut down in this uh, COVID time. And it really has highlighted that emptiness and loneliness. And it's interesting what he points out is that in history, it was kind of a sm only a small elite that really had the pleasures, the way I read it, as of consumerism. But now that's expanded more towards the middle class. Right. So the interesting thing is now um, the middle class is also the one who's who economically and politically hasn't had power. So this is why you're seeing shifts. I think people are now saying are waking up and saying, I don't want this kind of life. Yes. You know, I, I want something different. Right. And that is moving towards more of the being mode, hopefully, if that's right. what we're promoting. Right. I mean, people are really beginning to discover that having a lot, because there's a greater number of people who can have a lot, mm -hmm. having mm -hmm. things, they're, they're beginning to really learn and know that having much does not equal well-being or does not create well-being. I mean, that that's the lie that you know, this whole system perpetuates that, oh, whenever I have shit, whenever I have a lot, whenever I have things, whenever I have a lot of money, whenever I can buy this, whenever I have a big house, whenever I can go on vacation eight times a year, whatever it is that you need to think you need to have, then then I'll find some type of well-being. And pe there's more and more people who are going, actually, that's actually not true. Yeah, and I think in modern times right now, a good example of that would be you could be sitting in your home or apartment and you could go online and shop till you drop kind of thing. But you can't go out and see a friend. You can't go out and see a family member that's ill. You can't do, you know, you can't socialize. So are you going to be happy when you get all these packages at your house? Okay, not really because you're isolated and you're not connected with the rest of society, friends and family. So I think this has really highlighted for people the difference of that having and being mode. Yeah. What a great silver lining in all of this. You know, I think there are some people who say that like, well, greed is part of human nature. We're naturally greedy. Uh, we really want to just like steal from each other and take from each other. And, um, I would definitely object to this. And I'm going to read what Fromm says in this section. He goes, one of the gravest objections to the possibilities of overcoming greed and envy, namely that their strength is inherent in human nature, 
loses a good deal of its weight upon further examination. Greed and envy are so strong, not because of their inherent intensity, but because of the difficulty in resisting the public pressure to be a wolf with the wolves. Change the social climate, the values that are either approved or disapproved, and the change from selfishness to altruism will lose most of its difficulty. Yeah, I, I was going to ask you about that. I had that one written too, the resisting public pressure to be a wolf with the wolves. What do you think of that line? Oh my God. It's so, it sums it up so well because the environment that we're in is that that's what the values are. You have to mm -hmm. go after it. You have to take advantage of people. You have to, you know, hunt. You have to be part of the pack. Yes, you have to be part. That's another point. You have to be yeah. part of the pack. And right. so I think one of the points he's making here too is that, uh, you know, once we put things in place, put structures in place, do things that will bring out the being mode of existence and highlight the beauty of the being mode of existence, we can begin to shift there and we will start to see that, that greed is a potential potentiality of our humanity just like love is and kindness and giving. But what thing do we stir up? What thing do we encourage by the way we set up our community, our society? Which one do we draw out based on how we are all together, corporately, collectively living our lives? Right. He talks about changing the social direction. And I like that um, or changing the social climate. I'm sorry. So changing direction. So he's in a, in a society oriented mainly towards being. The having tendencies are starved. Yes. Trump says it's easier for the alienated marketing character. I like this to change mm -hmm. than it is for the hoarding character, which is frantically holding on to possessions and particularly its ego. Yes. Yes. I mean, the hoarding, the hoarding character, um, really is is this having mode of like mm -hmm. I have to have stuff I have to have stuff so of course obviously that's uh not a really easy thing to change but it's something that can one of the ways that he talks about doing that um is tipping the scales in the direction of the being mode with advocacy with informing mm -hmm. making it sexy making it attractive kind of like we talked about with sane consumption you know uh, ad campaigns. I don't know if ad campaign campaigns are the right thing. Informational campaigns. Oh shoot. I lost my sticky note. <laughs> don't look at that. Don't look at that. <laughs> anyway. Um, you know, tipping the scales in the direction of making, you know, uh, the being mode of existence, something that people find attractive. Yeah. And I think the being mode becomes more attractive when you are able to take care of yourself economically, right? So if you have the UBI and if mm. you have a social support, then the being mode, whether it's music, art, uh, writing, or just engineering, I mean, name anything you can think of. I mean, cause we're all creative in our own way. It allows you to be in the being mode. And that to me fosters more and more of that um, need or, or actually, you enjoy it and that's what you're going to gravitate towards if you're in a position that you can be in the being mode. Right. Yeah, for sure. I love the idea that basic income can help us 
see the how sexy the being mode of existence is for sure. Right. And I also think I know we've talked about this before. I think that the younger generation is much more aware that the planet that they're living on is um, one they need to take care of. So I think they're going to be more open to implementing this these changes maybe than the older generation has been. Agreed. I think that the younger generation today has a very clear understanding that we have got to do things differently. Um, I think they're a lot more aware and, and maybe passionate and even willing to speak out than maybe my generation was. Um, I think this also connects with another point he makes that, you know, another reason why we have reasonable chance that this could happen we could move to a being mode based society is that there's a larger majority of the population that are suffering from alienation. Now we've talked a little bit about this. Dr. Gabor Mate has talked about this as well. Basically what is alienation? It's when we're really disconnected from ourself, from other people, from our work and from nature. And so he's saying that that reality is something that hits home to people. Um, pretty pretty well and can help corral the population really to make advocation and really advocate for these changes because human beings weren't built to be alienated from the mm-hmm. things that I just listed. Exactly. Yeah. And like I said, yeah, I just think that we've all on some level experienced um, suffering and the isolation like in this last year. And so it's I just think it's become more of a priority than it ever has been where uh, maybe in the past individuals took for granted that we would have a community or a society where you could connect with people. And we've, we have seen how difficult that has been. And even if you're not in in a pandemic, we have pulled away from our communities. We have become these sort of automatons that are going to work every day and just, going through the motions. Yes. Yes. Uh, A good book to read if you are interested in more information on that specific uh, fact is Bowling Alone. There's a ton of uh, numbers, data in that book about how over the years we have just uh, disconnected from community and how much that's really begun to damage us. It's a real thing. It's really happened. Yeah, it really has. And so I think this is why Fromm's message is so relevant today. Yeah. And why we're so passionate about talking about it. Yes. Okay, the last thing that he mentioned, which I think this is kind of cool, and both of us have been politically active uh, in the last couple of years. So I wonder what your thoughts are on this one, Sonia. He says the ideals of the being of a being mode based society cross political party lines. It's something that can be agreed upon. If you're a Democrat, Republican, independent, whatever you're, wherever you're at, these Mm -hmm. ideals don't fall into one camp or another. And so that's another good point, good reason why there really is a chance that this could happen. Yeah, I do. I definitely think it crosses uh, party lines. It crosses philosophies. It's basically a human need. Yeah, um, we we weren't meant to be alone. That from recognizes, and it's a human need that we have to connect with others. 
And we have to live in a world that um, supports it, in a society that supports that. So absolutely, I think it crosses all the boundaries, you know, Mm -hmm. gender, um, even age. Uh, I did mention the younger generation being more open, but I think this crosses every imaginable, you know, every person in the world. There isn't anyone that this these whole these ideas aren't relevant to. Yeah. And I mean, I think if you listen through kind of our conversations and read through, you know, the book here and as you as we all know and learn about what the being mode of existence is, it seems like it would be like a no brainer. Like who wants to not spend time? Who doesn't want to spend time, you know, uh, approaching life? in a being mode, you know, it was so funny. I was, I was out over the weekend and uh, hanging out with some folks and we were having deep, intelligent conversation, which is what I love to do. And the person asked me, they go, what would you say is the most important thing for you in life? Mm-hmm. Have I told you this, Sonia? Did I tell you this? Um, maybe, but oh. remind me. <laughs> okay. And I was like, wow, that's a, that's a big one. I'm thinking, Hmm. And I was like, it's to be, that's, that's the most important thing to me in life to be, I want to be, I want to grow. I want to learn, you know? And I think if you boil down who we are as human beings, our universal human needs, Mm -hmm. uh, I would even say our universal human nature, which there's a lot of people who might argue with that, but uh, that's another story. Yeah. Being that's a good goal. That's the goal of, of human beings is to really experience life. That's what we're made for. We're made to experience life in each other. Absolutely. No, that's a, that's a great answer. And um, I mean, it, it's interesting that you would have that conversation because to my point, a lot of times we're living in this world that we're just having these mundane uh, conversations that are meaningless. And I think a lot of us are starved for having deeper connections and deeper conversations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think sometimes just people don't know how to get there, you know, right. Like the time that they have to get there is very limited. The stress that they have is very high, you know? Um, and so it can be difficult. And, and the technology have- that we use, um, doesn't help us. <laughs> That's right. That's right. For sure. So uh, from says still, even with all these positive things, the chances are actually slim that it can happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he says, our only hope lies in the energizing attraction of a new vision. So I, I wonder what your thoughts are on that, Sonia, that really the only way that this really can happen is if we, if there's attraction and energy around a new vision or a new approach? Um, no, I like that. And I think it speaks to what you talked about earlier about making it, um, you know, sort of like a campaign, like introducing these ideas out into the world and yeah. associating them with positive, you know, activities. And Again, I'm going to, it's repetitive, but I'm talking about UBI. I'm talking about, um, I think, on your campaign with, with Yang. Yeah. You know, that's an, a good example with Andrew yeah. Yang. Um, he was 
you know, ran for president, um, now running for mayor in New York, correct? That's right. And so I think you have to associate some of these ideas with a positive change in people's life. And so mm. it is, there's a, mar a marketing of that, you know, but a marketing of that to for the betterment of people. And I think yeah. the also helpful part of that would be stories, hearing people's stories and yeah. um, knowing that, you know, there are changes that can happen for the better that improve people's lives. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's another way to get the message out there. But it's like a buy in. You have to have the majority of people buying in to this yeah. being idea, right? Right. Well, I think another element of this, it really is, is that people realize or yeah, if the people will realize that this is possible, like that there's another way to live. I mean, it's kind of like reminds me of international travel. Like, you know, it's hard to really know that your way isn't the only way as a as a society as a country as a community whatever until you get outside of it you know and so i think um that that giving people the hope that like and the pictures uh in in the campaign the stories like you're saying like there's another way to live and it's so much better and it's worth it it's worth us making the effort to make the changes yes absolutely i was trying to think of the word but it's like testimonials you know Hearing yeah. from people and seeing lives change—that's uh, that's huge. And mm -hmm. I do think, yeah, I, I agree with From. Um, it's so, very challenging. I don't think this is like a walk in the park by any means. But mm -hmm. I I believe that we have to move forward, take the steps to try to achieve this being society, irrelevant of how hard it is, irrelevant of all the obstacles. I I, I don't think we have a choice. I think it's it's literally life or death life or death of us on the planet, basically. Yes, and he, he echoes that, uh, and I guess we echo that, that it really is uh, kind of a life or death, <laughs> not even kind of, it really is. I mean, in the next 20 years, I bet you he would have thought we would have already gotten there. What do you think? Because, I mean, this was, he, he died in 1980, so. Uh, maybe he was hopeful. I mean, uh, I'm not sure, I, that's a good question. Um, I was just thinking when we were talking about life or death, there's sort of an existential death too of mm. do we keep doing what we're doing till our population just, you know, till we're, you know, less and less people, uh, a depressed society, a, a sick, more sick society. That To me, there is no alternative. We have to move towards the being mode. Yeah. And he, he, that reminds me of something he says in, in this section, he says dehumanized man, will become so mad that he will not be able to sustain a viable society in the long run and in the short run will not be able to refrain from the suicidal use of nuclear or biological. Right, weapons. right. That's right. I was kind of going to go there towards like the suicidal thing, but I thought, okay, how dark do we want to go? But <laughs> yeah. And um, I think we're all really distracted thinking, ah, oh, but there's nothing really wrong and just keeping busy with work or, like, you know, excitement and that, you know, and, and not really having well-being, you know, like not even feeling. And right. I think there's a lot of not feeling that's going on. We may not even be aware of it, but I think that's happening. And some pe people are like, no, nah, it's, it's all good. We can just keep doing that. Yeah. No, I, um, 
Yeah, I mean, this is why I think I'm so passionate about Frome, and we're going to continue talking about him mm-hmm. because his ideas are so um, so made for this moment, so made for our time. That's what's yeah. incredible. Um, you open it up, and pretty much every page, there's something powerful said. Right. And I just can't uh, recommend enough for people to go and read to have or to be. Yes, do it. Yeah. Okay. So we'll, we're wrapping up. We'll end with this. Uh, this is something I wanted to read that he wrote here. It says the realization of a being mode based society is possible only if the old motivations of profit, power and intellect are replaced by new ones. Being, sharing, understanding. If our character shifts to a productive, loving character, if cybernetic religion is replaced by a new humanistic spirit. I love that. It's really good. Excellent. I know. I I, I love it. I love it. Yeah. Great words to finish. Yes. So he says, let's this chapter, yeah. The City of Being. That's how he ends the whole book. The City of Being. Yes. I, I was waiting for you to say that. Yeah, yeah. I, love that. I would love to say I live in the city of being. Yeah, come on. I, I don't think people would be disappointed if no. they were living in this city. No. Of being. no. Not at all. Well, we would love to hear from you. What do you think? Is it possible? Can we really do this? Send us your feedback. Yeah. Uh, Rethink Humanity Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Also, uh, Hang out with us. Uh, we got some big stuff coming. Melissa Bernstein. Um, we are continuing with Eric Fromm's writings. We're super excited about um, the stuff that we'll continue to share with you from him. And of course, you know, more interviews, more talk of things that are happening right now that are really evidence that everybody is looking for this change, this shift. Um to um, a more being mode based society, or you could say it a society that really takes into account our human needs, our human nature and accommodates them. So, um, yeah, stay with us for sure. We're, uh, we're, we're not going anywhere for a while. Are we Sonia? No. Yeah. I want to hear from everybody and uh, we'd love your opinions on what we're discussing. If you think, this is a crazy idea. This is an awesome idea. Um, all opinions welcome. And we're just excited to share these thoughts with you. Yeah. So stay yeah. safe, everybody. Yes. Have a great. Uh, oh, no. I just lost my <laughs> sticky note again. I'm using tape. So that's <laughs> somewhat effective and somewhat not. So anyways, guys, have a great uh, have a great one. Thank you for listening. Um, we will see you next time on the Rethinking Humanity podcast. Bye, guys. Bye.